invite you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to the Gospel according to Mark. Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Beginning of verse 35. Mark chapter 4, beginning of verse 35. Where Mark writes, On that day, when evening had come, he, meaning Jesus, said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that the boat was already swamped. And he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him up, saying to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind and the sea and said, Peace, be still. Then the wind ceased, and there was dead calm said to them, why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray together. God, we give you thanks for your holy word, and the opportunity to study it together. And now as I stand before these, your people, I pray that this would be your message and not my own through the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I love to fly. I love airplanes, helicopters. I've just always been enamored with them. It amazes me sometimes, too, that something so big can even fly. I remember the first time I went to Israel, we flew on a 747, but they didn't pull it to the jet walk. You had to, to kind of go out on the bus and then, and then go up the walk, up the stairs to get on. And you're looking going, there's no way that this thing can fly and take all of these people, all their luggage, all the fuel, and go nonstop from, from New York to Tel Aviv. It just can't happen. It's amazing. You look out the window and the wings are flapping and you're going, Lord, that's supposed to happen, right? <laughs> One of the things I've learned, though, about flying is, is who to pay attention to when you're on the plane. Good friend of ours, he had his own plane for several years, and uh, sometimes I would fly with him in the right seat uh, when he would be going to pick up someone. He believed that since he was blessed to have his own plane, that he should help others. So we would fly different places and pick up children or adults or others, some needing a heart transplant, others needing different kind of things, and we would fly them to an airport near some hospital where they could get specialized care. I would always fly the right seat. I learned just to watch David. If, if David was doing this, I was doing this. But I learned this is not good. And so one time we were flying back into the Greensboro area, and, and, and I was kind of nervous because the wind all of a sudden kicked up. It was tossing us around. They tried to divert us a little ways, but then they brought us in, and we had to do what's called crabbing coming in, which means the plane is, is flying this way but turned at an angle because the wind's blowing so hard just to stay lined up with the runway. You're coming in sideways, and at the last moment, 
and he has to then hit the rudder and make it come around. And it was just, I was thanking God that I had been on that plane enough to know where Elaine kept the little brown bags. <laughs> I didn't have to go there, but I reached for them just in case. Same way when I'm flying on a commercial flight, you know, you, you kind of watch the flight attendants. You pay attention if the pilot comes on and says, you know, stay in your seats and stay buckled up because there's a little turbulence coming on. If the flight attendants are still walking around with a smile on their face and doing their thing, I'm good. When you see them sit down and go, and look over at each other going, <laughs> not so good. I guess on a boat, you just need to pay attention to the fishermen. If people who are on a boat every day start getting nervous, it's time to maybe get a little nervous, and that's exactly what happened in the Scripture. As Jesus is now on the Sea of Galilee. Now, Galilee is just one of the most beautiful areas in Israel. It's the northern part of Israel. So if you look at Israel in the northern part, you have Galilee with the Sea of Galilee. The Jordan River comes into it and goes through it down to the south where the Dead Sea is. So you're up in the northern part of Israel, and on your way there, everything kind of looks uh, desert beige. But all of a sudden, you cross the top of this hill, you're on top of a mountain, and when you look over... You see this beautiful blue lake. And we call it the Sea of Galilee. It's really the Lake of Galilee. It's a, it's a large lake, but it is absolutely beautiful. And because then you have the, the, the good water of the Jordan River and, and you have the, the Sea of Galilee there with the fresh water, all around the hillsides around the lake, you see just beautiful crops being grown on the hillside, trees and beautiful plants and Towns and villages are kind of peppered along the shoreline. It is absolutely gorgeous. Well, that's where Jesus is. As a matter of fact, if you turn back to verse 1 in chapter 4, you'll hear that Jesus has been teaching, and the crowds were so great that he gets into a little fishing boat so that he then can be facing the shore, and it's there that he's teaching and Mark tells us that there were so many people that they lined the shoreline all around listening to what he said. And as he was teaching, he taught things like parables. It's there that, that he looks up and he sees a farmer up on one of the hillsides. And he tells the crowd, look over there. A sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some of his seeds falling on the good ground, some of it, and he tells the rest of the parable. You can also, when Jesus would be sitting there, look over this direction and, and, and up on the top of the hill here, you see a, a city up on top of the hill. And Jesus had said, you know, a, a city on a hill can't be hidden. I mean, it's right there. You, you can't pretend that it's not. So Jesus has been doing some beautiful teaching, but by the end of the day, he's, he's tired. He's exhausted. So Jesus, already sitting in a boat says to the disciples, let's go over to the other side. I mean, we'll get a break, get something to eat, and let's rest. Let's rest. So the disciples take out in their boat, and, and there are other disciples in their, their boats alongside, and, and, and so they're heading out across the Sea of Galilee. But one of the things you need to know about the Sea of Galilee is storms can come up on the Sea of Galilee in a moment's notice. 
Because again, you've got the mountainsides, the hillsides, all around the Sea of Galilee, but there are a couple places where you'll see the opening, and, and you'll see valleys, where the mountain ridges come in, and you'll see the valleys that come in to the Sea of Galilee, and what that allows to happen is sometimes storms will get caught in those valleys, and it is like a funnel. And the next thing you know, you're out in sun shining and cool still waters, and you're just heading over to the other side, Jesus asleep in the back of the boat, and the storm hits. The wind comes barreling through those valleys, hits the water. All of a sudden, what was calm water is white caps. Waves are tossing. Boats going up and down the waves. Fishermen now are nervous. You see, you pay attention to the fishermen. It's bad enough, they're nervous. They've been in storms on Galilee before, but this one's different. Actually, the Greek word for the storm here is whirlwind. Another reference to it is like almost like a hurricane. So this is not just some little, this is a storm hits to the point that they're taking on water and the disciples are terrified. They look back, Jesus is still asleep in the back of the boat, lying there on a cushion, and they go wake him up. Teacher! And they ask him the most interesting question. It would not have been, I don't think, my first question. I mean, I remember that time. Remember when they're out on the sea and Jesus is walking across the water and Peter then starts walking on the water going back to Jesus, but then when he notices the storm and starts to sink? I mean, his prayer made all kinds of sense. It was simple. Lord, help! I mean, that's pretty noble. That's good prayer. It's effective. But the disciples look at Jesus on the boat and they wake him up and they go, do you not even care that we're perishing? Isn't that an interesting way to put it? I mean, if you don't get what I'm saying, next time you're around one of your family members, instead of just asking a question, go, do you not even care? And finish it. And just see how the mood changes. Do you not even care that we're perishing? I mean, who would care more? So Jesus then gets up, and he holds up his hand, and he rebukes the wind and the sea and says, Peace be still. And the wind stopped, and there was an eerie silence. Mark said it was a dead calm. And have you ever experienced a dead calm after a storm, it's, it's, it is eerie. Nancy and I, when our children were little, we lived in Keene, just above Winston-Salem. And, and, and one night, I woke up to this scream. And then I realized that scream was me. Because my wife had been trying to wake me up and couldn't get me to wake up. So she took a piece of flesh between two razor blade fingernails and did a squeeze and turn. <laughs> I woke up. And immediately when I woke up, I realized why she was trying to get me awake because all of a sudden you hear what every person that gets recorded after a tornado says is, it sounded like a train coming through the house. <laughs> what? I mean, you always got to find the one person that heard the train. Well, it sounded like a train, but then it hit me because I have a doctorate. <laughs> it hit me. We don't have any trains around here. 
so I knew. We both jumped up out of bed as soon as we heard it, run to the kids' room. I'm reaching for one kid, she's reaching for the other, and about the time we're reaching for them, it is dead silent. Eerie silent. It was all over silence. It was a terrifying silence. Because then you realize we didn't get there in time. Had anything happened, it would have been horrible. All the furniture off of our deck was thrown somewhere in the neighborhood, and neighboring houses were all off their foundations, and we didn't get, it was an eerie quiet, eerie quiet. And you're going, what just happened here? Well, that's what the disciples are now feeling because the storm has been kicking up and the waves have been going and Jesus says, peace be still. And immediately we go to still, calm water, eerie calm, dead calm, Mark says. And the disciples are speechless. And Jesus then looks at them and said, the real question is, why are you afraid? The real question is, do you still have no faith? And, and the word still is there on purpose because the disciples have been closest to Jesus. They had heard the teachings of Jesus. They had just seen the leper that we spoke of just a couple weeks ago. They, they saw the leper get healed and be able to go home. They had seen miracles occurring. They had seen God do some incredible things. And Jesus is going, really, after all this time? Really? After all that you've seen, and after all the ways that I've been with you, and, and all the lessons, the teaching, you just heard me teaching the whole crowds on the shore, really, you still have no faith. Why? Well, it's a great question that, that Jesus is asking because the word faith here doesn't mean do you believe that I'm the Son of God, but the word faith here actually means do you trust me? It's not do you believe who I am, but when will you get to the point that you actually trust me? Trust me. And then we're told that the disciples are filled with awe now, what's really interesting there is the word for all is another word for fear. So they were afraid, but now they're filled with holy fear. Meaning a sense of all like, who, who, who can do this? Well, you got to remember that the disciples were Jewish. So growing up, they knew the Old Testament scripture much better than most of us. They had studied the, the law, the first five books of the Bible. There were the prophets, but then there were the writings, and, and the Psalms were part of that. Well, I want you to listen to Psalm 107. And, and isn't it interesting what you're going to hear knowing they would know this psalm? Psalm 107, verse 23 says, Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the mighty waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. Now picture yourself on a boat here. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. 
Their courage melted away in their calamity. They reeled and staggered like drunkards, and they were at their wits' end. And they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad because they had quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wonderful works to humankind. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. See, the disciples knew that, that the one who controls the sea and the storm, the one who created the world by saying, let there be, and the one who can calm the world by saying, peace be still, that would be God. Who is this? This is God? Storms. You know, it's easy to believe in Jesus when we're sitting on the shoreline, sitting in a boat that's anchored up, and just kind of floating around a little bit, listening to the teachings. That's pretty easy. It's pretty easy to believe in Jesus when, when things are going really well. We're out on the sea, and it's a sunshiny day, and you know, just a little white cloud here or there to, to remind us of the beauty of the blue sky. And uh, it, it's, it's just, a, it's easy to follow Jesus when he's teaching us about how much he loves us and, and, and all the things that God wants to do for us. And it's easy to believe in Jesus and follow Jesus when he's healing people and doing all the miracles. But man, when the storm hits, it is easy to go, God, don't you even care? Don't you even care that we're perishing? I, I think we all have, have asked that question before. Don't, don't you even care? And, and God's question to us is, why are you afraid? Did you know that, that, that the term and the, the admonition, fear not, is used more than any other command in the Bible that God gives to us? Is don't be afraid, fear not. Over a hundred times. But our storms are real, aren't they? I mean, I am not here to minimize our storms. We find ourselves in some hellacious storms at times. I mean, sometimes, I mean, just this week, we, we've lost a couple of key folks in our congregation. You know, the one who, who lived a long and amazing life and was such a part of this community and was such a part of this church and has children and grandchildren and, 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 and such an amazing man. And, and then there was another one who was a young father with, with young kids. And, and all of a sudden, the family finds themselves in a storm. I mean, early that morning, the sun was shining and the sea was calm. And the next thing you know, they're rowing for everything they've got, not expecting, not seeing it coming. And wow. For others of us, the storms are, are with folks going to, to doctors and getting diagnosis or surgeries and waiting anxiously to hear the results and what did the test say and what does this mean and what will tomorrow hold and and sometimes we have loved ones that are in crisis and we feel like we're so helpless we we don't know what to do we don't know how to help and and, and sometimes the storm is inside of our homes i mean our houses look great on the outside but on the inside Man, is there a storm going on? The marriage is in trouble. How do I help my kid? How do I help my aging family? How does this happen? That happens. Sometimes our storms in our, in our works and in our jobs. And, and what does this mean? And 
tremendous. We get some white caps and the waves are going and we're taking on water and we're going down. God, don't you even care. Don't you even care. But here's the good news. The God who so loved you that he would die for you loves you too much to abandon you now. The God who so loved you and was willing to die for you loves you too much to abandon you now. And hear the good news that, that even though our storms are real and our storms are real, but so is our God. And I want you to hear the good news. Jesus is already in your boat. See, what the disciples seem to forget is he's right here with us right now in the boat. You are not in the midst of a storm by yourself. God is in the boat right there with you. And God is the one who can help bring peace and calm to your storm. Your God loves you too much to give up on you now. Reverend Charles Albert Tinley. He lived between 1851 and 1933. He is referred to as the father of African American hymnody. Life was not easy for the Reverend Tinley. His mother died when he was only two years old. His father raised him. But raising a child in those days was not an easy thing. And in that culture, in that time, and, and so the father actually, when his son got old enough to be able to work, had to hire him out just to, to be able to try to help ends meet and to be able just to survive. When he became a young man, he moved to Philadelphia. And he worked as a janitor at Bainbridge Street Methodist Church. He studied hard. He wasn't going to have the benefits that most of our kids have of being able to go to a college and get a degree. He studied hard on his own. He studied Greek. He studied Hebrew. studied theology. I mean, it was amazing. After 15 years, he returns back to Bainbridge Street Methodist Church, but this time as their senior pastor. And he leads that church to grow but life was still hard, and it was hard for his congregation. So one day, he wrote these words. When the storms of life are raging, stand by me. When the storms of life are raging, stand by me. When the world is tossing me like a ship upon the sea, Thou who rulest the wind and the water, stand by me. Your storms are real, but thanks be to God, so is your God. And the good news, he's already in your boat, and he will not forsake you now. Amen. Amen.